Hey everybody, and welcome to the Fluential and Friends podcast, where the story of your life can help somebody else's life story. My name is Joseph Ortiz. I'm here with my very special guest, Kevin Pack. How are we doing today, Kevin? Doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on, man. Oh, dude, it's a pleasure. So I've known Kevin for, man, six, seven years maybe, oh if I had to make a guess. When did we first meet? It was like early threshold, probably? Probably. So yeah. who knows what year that was, right? after the multitude of owners throughout the years. Yeah. But when I first met you, you were just like this awesome kid who just wanted to be strong. <laughs> you were kind of shy until people got to know you and then you kind of flourished throughout the years, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're just a completely different 180 type of person, you know, if I had to say from my own perspective. Mm -hmm. And to see your growth throughout the years has been nothing short of inspirational. You, what you've done, you do it genuinely, you've done it from the ground up, and you've built it all yourself. And I think your story, especially for how old are you now? Uh, 26 now. You're yeah. 26. I think for your story at your age is very inspiring for anyone who feels like they might be stuck and they feel like they need to know someone to get them further in life because mm -hmm. that's, that's always kind of what you hear right it's not what you what you know is who you know it's well true. for you you know you and you worked your ass off mm -hmm. and there's no if ands or buts about that so Facts. for people who don't know who is kevin pack what do you do right now yeah so um uh i would say like i'm a serial entrepreneur i own multiple six and seven figure companies at the moment uh, mainly in the e-commerce space, so like with Amazon, um, and the business model that I work with is called Amazon FBA, which is uh, fulfilled by Amazon. It's a program on Amazon uh, for third-party sellers, and that's basically what I mainly do. I also dabble into uh, a new business also as well um, in Airbnb, so it's a new company structure that uh, me and my business partner have started as well. Um, and so, yeah, those are kind of like the main things I've been in. Social media as well, I guess, is part of like it ties into my business as well. So yeah, those are the main things I do at the moment. And, and like I said, it's so awesome to watch the growth that you've had. And so I do want to kind of go over like the entire process that kind of got you to where you're at today. Mm -hmm. And so I do want to go back into your childhood. Okay. Like as you were younger, was it always something you wanted to do to be an entrepreneur or did you have other aspirations as a kid? You know, funny enough, I uh, remember this one time I was walking to school with my grandma. My grandma was walking me to school and everything. And, you know, she was asking, like, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? And this was back when I was living in Long Beach. Um, so, like, around the L.A. area. And I think I was, like, six at the time, six or seven at the time. And I said, I want to be the president of the United States. That's what I want to be, okay. right? And the reason, though, I, the reason why that I, I said that was because I thought the president of the United States was the richest person in the world, mm. right? And I essentially just wanted to be rich, essentially, because uh, it just seemed cool, like I wanted cars, it's just, you know, um, I didn't grow up with the the most, um, I guess, uh, the in the highest income bracket or whatever, uh, so I couldn't get all the toys I wanted. I just wanted to be able to just buy whatever I want, essentially, right? right? So I thought being the president of the United States meant that I was the richest person, but, you know, down the line, I started to realize, oh, shit, that's not actually the case, you know. Yeah, and it's a lot of responsibility. Oh, yeah, maybe a little bit too much for <laughs> what they're getting paid for. Yeah, you know 100%. What I'm so, yeah, so that's basically what I would say. I, I didn't always know I wanted to be an entre entrepreneur, but I, I guess I always had a sense of wanting to do more for myself 
rather yeah so do you have like any of those kid hustler stories like you're selling candy to your classmates anything like that uh no actually i never really dabbled into that or had an interest in doing that to be honest um i was at there was this one point in high school i was trying to create like a clothing brand Mm -hmm. um and i think there was a lot of that going around when i was in high school Uh, and i kind of dabbled into it but i didn't really know how it worked so i never fully went through that whole process i just like drew sketches of like logos and what would look cool um but i never really pulled through that and i never like went out and sold candy and stuff like that uh high school was i was in a different mindset i was in a totally different mindset i wasn't in an entrepreneurial kind of grind it was more so the time when i was like really just focused on like school what college am i going to get into Mm -hmm. right so ironically enough and it's kind of refreshing to hear because a lot of times when you hear about these businessmen it's it's usually a story like that right Mm -hmm. like oh yeah back when i was in middle school i was selling this and high school i started to sell this and Mm -hmm. i've always had this entrepreneur hustler mindset right Right. or for you it kind of grew at at later ages then Yeah. Yeah, yeah so so now you're in high school right and you're you're studying you're trying to get to a, a, a college are you playing sports at this time too or are you kind of just more academically focused funny thing when i first got into high school i was uh i i joined the football team right okay. and my goal was because i've always been kind of like that an active kid at least at the very least of that um but i my plan at the time was to get into football get really good at it maybe get like a d1 scholarship okay. or something like that i was like really trying to get into that so use as like a gateway as a gateway to get into college education. right and at least you know playing football like professionally would be like sounds better than just being anything else right um so that was kind of the goal uh when i first entered high school but then i soon later found that i wasn't very good at football to be mm. honest and i was like a buck <laughs> five getting fucking ran through like the linebackers and shit and i was like all right this is not gonna work out you're like uh what other routes can i take now yeah let, let me start looking at my other options yeah right? you're like golf is looking really oh, really God, interesting right or the now. triangle <laughs> instrument yeah that's looking fire right now uh cowbell got very popular mm-hmm. throughout the years thanks mm-hmm. to will ferrell um so as you're going through, what college do you, do you end up going to? So in my junior year of high school, I got an early admission to FITM, which is like a fashion institute. It was okay. a private school because uh, at the time I was very big into uh, men's fashion and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I still am, but like in, in, a, in a more career sense, I was more into it. And so I got an early admission to it because I did this like this project that they require for uh, students to be able to get admitted. It was like some kind of like project scrapbook. Anyways, they really liked it and they ended up admitting me into school. Right. And I was like, okay, great. Done. Like I I don't have to worry about school for the rest of the year. (laughs) My senior year, I can just chill because I already am. I already found a college I'm going to. I got a school. Exactly. Everyone else is kind of applying to like Fullerton, Cal State, Long Beach, whatever, whatever have you. So I was like, all right, I'm going to chill. And then funny enough, during that time is when I started getting into fitness. Mm -hmm. I started doing bodybuilding. I started learning about like um, nutrition. And I really got like, I started to, you know, build a passion for all that, a a passion for fitness and, and, um, and wellness and whatnot. So that whole year, my whole senior year, um, I was all devoted into fitness. I watched YouTube videos. I was watching Christian Guzman, Scott Herman Fitness, like all these OG people on the YouTube space and fitness space and learning about it and, um, you know, going to work out, you know, getting some results and going from like 105 to like 140 or whatever. And then um, by the time I graduated senior year, I was like, oh, I have to go to FITM. I have to go to a fashion school. Mm. And then 
and then like two weeks into it i was like yeah this is not for me so my mom was pissed but i ended up leaving that school and going to community college to study like more like kinesiology and like business whatnot okay and so as you're going through the years you're in college now kinesiology and business and at the same time is this around the time you became a personal trainer yes so was that was that your first job or no. what did you have before? So um, before that, I was working kind of like under the table because my family owned like a like a like a meat market uh, down in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. So it was like a family owned business, small meat market, you know. Um, and so I would work there. I started working there when I was like 13, 14. Got it. Um, and obviously, like, that's not legal, but like, you know, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But like it was just helping the family business. Right. right. And so that was my first job. And then my first like real job on paper, I was working at Home Goods. You know what Home Goods is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's chaos. What, one of my first jobs was Michaels. Oh, so see, so, you, so not too far off. You know exactly what I'm talking Ooh, about. Man, I would come home smelling like candles. Yes, those Yankee candles. Yes. Oh, I hate those things with a passion I now. Don't like them. I don't. Also, don't like Christmas music now because of that. Because they played that shit every Killed me. day, every day. Dude, I was losing my yeah, shit. Yeah, I was seasonal. Yeah. It was a seasonal job during the holidays, Same. and it was my first job. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, man, this is the workforce. Yeah. What a wake-up call. And, bro, and they like this was the time I was getting my personal trainer certi- uh, certification, so I had to pay for it somehow. So I was like, okay, I need to like get a job. Yeah. And so um, uh, they knew that. They knew that I was trying to leave to become a personal trainer, and they would make me fucking do all the heavy lifts, like pick up the rugs and the chairs and shit like that. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, you're done at the cash register. Go pick up this rug and put it in the shelf. I'm like, oh, bro, like, all right, fine. You're over there, power yeah. clean. Literally, like power cleaning rugs. And just, <laughs> all right, let's take it over. Huts, huts. Yeah. Yeah, I would brace before and just, <laughs> yeah. So it was good practice. Hey, all the female listeners right now just heard the word home goods and Michaels. You're drinking your pumpkin Starbucks right now. They're, they're having a good time, probably. This is an episode for the ladies. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that was my first job. And, and then that's when I transitioned to working into a gym. Um, I did. I, I worked for like Fitness 19 and then like Crunch Fitness for a while first before I got uh, to do like independent for, you know, yeah. We're more similar than what you think. I also worked at Fitness 19 for my first personal training job. Wow. I was 22 years old and I got into Fitness 19 in Fontana. Really, Fontana? Yeah, oh, uh-huh. that little closet location. It was so tiny. Oh, my God. Hey, dude, shout out to so Justin, cool. though, my boy, Justin Jumper. He's, like, one of my best friends now. He's my first boss. <laughs> and uh, Yo, Oh, you funny. know it. You I know, probably, I know yeah, Justin. Know I know him. Justin because he worked at the, the East Mira Loma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And that's where, um, that's where I first started my fitness career. Uh, not career, but, like, yeah, my fitness career, but not as a job. Just saying, like, fitness in general. That's where I first met you. Is Was that? that? And then we transitioned over to Threshold yeah wait a minute i think you're right yep oh my god i think you're right holy shit like oh my god i think you're right we just connected so many stars right now crazy like wow (laughs) yeah so i know i know justin because he he worked there Mm. and uh i was trying to get a job there but he didn't hire me um i don't know why so i ended up working in the corona location instead got it and i was uh doing decently well over there (laughs) i was still laughing at that yeah that's pretty funny so you're there, you're a personal trainer, and then you eventually end up transitioning over to Threshold, right? Private mm-hmm. training facility here in Ontario, California. So now you're a trainer here and your business is starting to flourish, right? You're a personal trainer. You start go, you start doing a lot of powerlifting now. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know, you were a competitive powerlifter. 
you were That's on right. that platform. Which uh, organization did you compete for? Mainly the USPA. I was uh, where I was competing in, uh, mostly in. And then nor- near towards the end of my powerlifting career, I was doing USAPL. Okay. So those are the main. See, I'm kind of familiar. So I just had Morgan on the on the podcast a few mm-hmm. episodes back, and he kind of familiarized me with the organizations, mm-hmm. the USPL being the uh, natural organization. Yep. So for those of you guys who were curious, Kevin Pack is 100% all natty. That's straight up. Yeah. Facts. And, uh, and you were very successful, right? You have a few American records, national records. I know you did something. Yeah. So I did uh, place an American record for my de- the deadlift. So I, I set a deadlift American record. And then I also won uh, nationals that, that same year as well. In Vegas. And, and I think I actually set a, a few state records too which was also deadlift and then squat yeah i believe so for for people who don't know what was your weight that you competed at 148 148 and then what was the records you got the record i got i know for deadlift was 534 and then i don't remember what my squat was but it, i think it was somewhere around like the 380 range i think don't so at 148 pounds you deadlifted 534 pounds yes Yes. That's insane. Thank you. Thank you. You, you powerlifters. And I had the same reaction when Morgan was telling me his numbers. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you guys are just insane. It blows my mind how many phenomenal powerlifters just live in this area. It is definitely underrated for sure. I don't like, is there something about the Alien Empire that just attracts powerlifters? Is it like the climate? Is it. it- it has of, to be the heat. The like, amount of oxygen we have down here in the valley. It could be that and the heat. Like, it has to, like, just build our DNA a little differently. Well, it you know? also breeds phenomenal bodybuilders as well. Fox. I, Facts. I, I might know one. You, I, I personally know one <laughs> who happens to be in, like freaking Olympian. He's in this room. Yes. We're, I'm looking right at him. He is I. He is, he is him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit of what I was going through. And, um, and uh, I'm I'm out of the powerlifting scene now. I don't right. really I don't really train powerlifting anymore. But you're still pretty dang strong because I see the posts you put up of <laughs> you squatting still and just like randomly. Yeah, yeah. Let me you know four fifty. Just let me, let me let me pull this real quick. You know, for... I I was surprised by that. Yeah. I I genuinely was surprised that even though I'm not as consistent and I don't train as hard, I was able to still keep a very good baseline strength, which mm. still surprised me. Um, Muscle memory satellite cells something like that they're always there ready now nowadays i I train mostly muay thai and Mm -hmm. like i'm trying to transition more into that and and more train into that which is good right because as you even for me personally like as i get into my later ages i want to do more kind of like wellness fitness cardio based type Mm -hmm. stuff like next year i want to start getting into like more like spartan races oh yeah those are cool that type of stuff like i've always wanted to do it Mm -hmm. I just never had the time because I was always doing competitive bodybuilding. Right. But now since I had the podcast with uh, Janique Lavette, which is the American Ninja Warrior. Uh, I saw some of that. Mm -hmm. um, She kind of like motivated me to like do it now. Mm -hmm. Like stop waiting. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. You should, bro. Like, I mean, especially like how like well built you are at the moment. You're you're not like heavy. You're, You're still able to like move very, very well. Happy medium a happy medium and you have enough strength to like to be able to withstand a lot of that stuff too so now it's just like getting the cardiovascular system back up yeah vo2 max right now is literally not there Uh, yeah same when i (laughs) when i started going again starting like to get into sparring a little bit more i was like fucking hell i'm strong but i cannot keep up with these guys yeah well those combat sports like muay thai boxing jujitsu they are so 
physically demanding Mm -hmm. and you have another human's body pushing against yours. And I don't think for people who've never done it, I don't think they truly realize the physical exhaustion on the central nervous system on mm -hmm. just cardiovascular health. Like it just pushes you beyond limits. Yeah. First minute you're on, you feel great. And then you suddenly hit like an adrenaline dump, just Mm -hmm. like boom. And you just like, you're wiped. Yeah. It's crazy. It's always the guys who like watch UFC and they're like yelling at the fighters like, oh, just get up. Just <laughs> that. You try it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's funny as fuck. Yeah. So, sorry. I kind of went off topic. Totally fine though. Um, just kind of pull back um, to where we were. So, you're a personal trainer now. Your business is doing good. But what people don't know, what majority of the average person was that you were plotting your next business move which was this amazon fba mm-hmm. right let's go into that how how do you even figure out this amazon fba business mm-hmm. yeah so um i it's it's basically exactly how you're, you described it of like plotting and that's what i was doing because like i started to realize i was working a lot of hours as a personal trainer uh, a lot of in-person hours i was doing both online and in person but I started to realize like it was really hard to scale and it was really hard to um, uh, do this long term as well. Um, and so I started to realize like, okay, you know, I can't do this when I'm in 30, my 30s or 40s or whatever. Like I, it's not sustainable. And if I want to reach these massive goals and get the cars that I want and everything, I need to figure out to do something that doesn't require my time for money, mm-hmm. you know? And so I started looking um, uh, online on like, I literally just Google like how to make money online because people, I started noticing like people were making money online and, and it was like more of a, like a passive form of making income as well. So I was like, okay, let me just start, you know, pulling that up. And basically like a few things came up, like drop shipping came up, Amazon came up and then like, um, like real estate came up as well as, as a form of passive income. But I was like, okay, I don't, I don't fucking have enough money to do real estate. Like, right. come on now. Uh, and so, Amazon just made the most sense to me because I, I was already buying products on Amazon all the time and I know everyone else was buying it at the time. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, why don't I just put a product up there and be in front of millions of customers? It just makes total sense to me. And yeah, that's how I started. Like that's how I initially found Amazon FBA. Okay. And so you find it and how much money for someone like you doing personal training, how much money did you have to kind of put in for your first drop yeah your first product so i was making about like four thousand dollars a month with my personal training job and so and obviously i was living at home with my mom so i, I didn't have any bills like i, I had a car payment and that wasn't really it but right. no major bills i was taking advantage of my youth so i was like all right let me just save up some money let me just utilize it and put it into something that would um that that's towards my goal right now which is try to find something that makes passive income um, and so I saved up about probably like $10,000, um, and I used about three of it to, uh, fund my first initial, uh, product. Uh, so that order was just about $3,000. And your first product was this dog animal repellent. Yes. Oh my God. This, this is a funny product. So <laughs> first off, this product at least showed me uh the validity of amazon fba mm-hmm. right so i it, the the product i first sold was an ultrasonic animal repeller there we go right it's ultrasonic you basically stick it to the ground and it's supposed to beep make sounds and send electronic signals to animals uh to stay away in theory 
That sounds amazing. It does. A lot of people were buying it. If someone could do that with mosquitoes. Ooh, that would be amazing. You heard it here first. Actually, I think there is something like that already. It's like a bug repellent in general. But I chose to go the animal route. Mm -hmm. Who knows why? But the numbers made sense. Right. So I launched that product. The margins were fantastic. I could source it for $7 out the door. I was able to airship it so I can get to Amazon very, very quickly. And I was able to sell it for like thirty-five to forty dollars. So it's a the huge margin, profit. yeah, margins were incredible. I was, I was making probably like fifty percent profit margins on that, um, and I made like nine thousand dollars within two weeks wow. of that product, which was a crazy. And with you know fifty percent profit margins, just about four thousand dollars profit. So I was like, well, shit, I just made my own income in like two weeks, yeah. and I didn't even have to do. Like, shit. This is real. Yeah, this is legit. Mm-hmm. Later, I find that the product doesn't actually work, and so like I was getting reviews, and people were saying like this doesn't work. I just saw a deer kick my animal repeller, (laughs) and I'm just like, ah shit. So like it 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 was a bad product because it literally did not work. Mm -hmm. It was just like a basically like a false advertising type of whatever. So it ended up getting a lot of bad reviews, um, and uh, yeah, so that that was it. How do you find the product? How do you even find a manufacturer to make the product Mm -hmm. for people who don't know? Yeah. So nowadays, the access to finding manufacturers to build you anything is very easy to access nowadays. Like you could literally message them like if you're on like fucking Facebook, like Mm -hmm. literally. Um, I'm not saying go to Facebook to find uh, suppliers. (laughs) I'm just using using the analogy of how easy it is to talk to suppliers nowadays. Um, So there's a website called Alibaba. And that's basically a, uh, a manufacturing website that hosts a bunch of manufacturers there, trading companies, manufacturers, all parts of, glo- of the globe, whether it's in China or like Vietnam or Pakistan or the United States even. Uh, that's where they're hosted, right? And so uh, you can just literally like type in a product that you want to you source. So let's just say like it's Notebook. You would type in Notebook and then there's just going to be a bunch of listings on Alibaba that shows like a, a sourcing price. So like maybe $2 per piece or whatever. And then you could just literally just straight up message them. You just be like, oh, how much can I get for 500 units? Mm-hmm. And they'll give you an answer. They'll give you a quote. Um, and so that's how I, I found suppliers and how I found the product idea was I use software tools that basically are specific for Amazon. Uh, there's software tools called Jungle Scout and also Helium 10 that allow you to see numbers on Amazon. So like when you go on Amazon, you type in notebook and you see all these listings, you can pull up this this software and it will literally pull up all the numbers of the of every single listing that's on Amazon and show you how much revenue they're making, how many reviews they have, how long have they been selling, um, how, how often have they changed their pricing, et cetera. So there's a lot of metrics that you can look at. And depending on those metrics, you kind of filter it a certain way that matches a criteria that would make sense to start selling. So, so to put it in a simple terms, this basically Helium 10 is a way to see if a product is good or not. You exactly. See exactly how much they're selling and if it's a profitable uh, product that kind of like the field you want to get into. Exactly. And tell you the profit margins as well. So it, it's a good way to start analyzing things on Amazon and seeing what makes sense. And if, if it's in demand as well. Yeah. So first product kind of fell long term, great short term. Won the, won the battle, lost the war in a sense. Basically. And yeah. so now you have to go to another product, right? And so your second product is this letter board. Yes. So I, I was selling these le- felt letter boards um, and uh, really cool. Pro- I actually have one. I, um, as do we. Yeah, they're yeah. cool. Um, and I thought that was a good product. I launched that literally like as soon as my first one started making money, I launched that one. Okay. Because I was like, oh, fuck, I need to hop on this because like I'm making a lot of money. I need to put money into it. Terrible mistake. I should have like let one 
kind of settle and like uh, um, kind of be on its own first and establish itself before I moved on to another product, right? So um, that one failed. That one basically didn't make any sales. Basically, it just kind of just I that one was so bad. I had to pull out all of the inventory out oh, no. and then donate all of it. Oh, that's no. how bad that one was. Yeah, that one was really bad. That was like worst case scenario on Amazon for sure. So we're gonna see a bunch of letter boards kind of floating around. Uh, uh yeah. L.A. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they, <laughs> I donate them to Goodwill, and they're like, I don't know what to do with all these. I'm like, just figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. Give it to some fucking kids or something like that. So <laughs> I don't know what you want to do with it. So a lot I, of kids at Christmas got brand new letter boards. Yes. They may have hated it. They may have loved the it. The parents probably hated it because now they have letters all over the floor. Probably. As a parent myself, I know exactly how that stuff goes. They're like, damn, my God, I didn't buy anything. Man. Oh, man. So I that that one was probably the worst fail I ever had. Lost a lot of money there. And then my third failed product were these uh, silicone cooking utensils. Um, that one was just badly, it was a bad offer. So the market wasn't too bad, but we... <laughs> I don't know why we decided to go with a green color and in- include like um like a rice paddle thing with it. Uh, the pictures weren't great either, though. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I did my own photography on that, which was a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Choosing to do my own photography instead of just paying somebody else to do the photography for me. Mm-hmm. So I was literally taking these pictures on my fucking iPhone, oh, and no. it, they just look so bad. And back then, it's like the iPhone eight, no portrait mode yet. Yeah, yeah. And Amazon <laughs> has a very, very, very particular way of looking. Um, for products like mm. they if you notice there's like a, a certain structure of how these photos look and right. they're very like not unison but there's just like a, a culture not cult yeah i guess a culture of how you do photography on amazon right so i didn't do any of that shit and it was horrible terrible idea and so i think that was another big reason why i felt it didn't work out but those were that product at least sold out over time and I made some money back at least, okay. right? So it was one of those things not that just- Not a complete loss. Not a complete loss, but like it still wasn't enough for me to make a reorder. Got it. So once that product is out, what was your number one first product that hit? So after those cooking utensils, after that, that's this is when I started getting into like toys and I started looking into the market, market of toys. Um, and that was my first hitter. That was like 2019, I think. March of 2019, I launched this toy product. Uh, and what I did was I tailored, it was like a unis, unisex product, but I tailored it specifically for boys, right? So I, I filled in a hole in the market because I saw that no one was really catering to the boys. So like, let me, let me, let me put some up for, the, for my dudes out here, right? <laughs> So I did that, did really well. I did like $8,000 its first month. Not as good as the animal color, but it was still good enough to start making money again. So right. I was like, okay, I'm gonna make a reorder. What I then did is launch a girl version of that. So I did the opposite end of it. Smart. And then, so I basically had these two SKUs in the same product category, taking over more real estate on Amazon. Cause you know how you like, you have like, you go on the first page and you see a bunch of listings, but now you see two of my products yeah. on there. So it's mm-hmm. like more opportunity for sales. So yeah, that year I went from making in March, I did $8,000 in revenue. And then by the end of December, I did $100,000 in just December alone. So yeah, it was crazy. So I went and then my overall revenue, I think I did like over $200,000 that year, which is crazy. So to get into the mind of Kevin, you are, how old are you around this time? Fuck, I think at this time I'm probably 20... 
I'm going to say I was 22, maybe 21, 22. So you're 21, 22. You yeah. just camped off at $200,000 revenue. And I'll still work my personal training job too. You're still working your personal training job. You're still living at home. Yep. What is going through your mind? Like, do you want to like scream? Like I did it. Like mom, I told you so. Like, dude, like <laughs> what is going through your mind when you're just seeing these numbers rack up every morning you wake up, right? And you're just seeing the numbers rack up. You're getting the notification on your yeah. phone. Another product sold, another product sold, another product sold. What is going through your mind? I mean, it feels, even to this day, it still feels like unreal. Because you had three failed products. Yeah. Did you ever think about just stopping? Of course. Right? Yeah, Like maybe absolutely. I need to do something else. There was a period I stopped for a bit. Right. But I was like, no, I know what, what kept me going was I knew for a fact that other people were doing it. And clearly there's not, you go on Amazon, there's literally products selling. Like right. there's no, there's not an undeniable fact that there's literally products selling on Amazon making money. So I'm like, okay. If this is working for other people and it's not working for me, then that means I'm doing something wrong mm -hmm. and I need to figure out how to do it right. That's it. And um, there was this one Mark Cuban um, quote that I heard that he said, he said, it doesn't matter how many times you fail, you just need to get it right one time and you can walk it all the way down to mm -hmm. the bank and laugh mm -hmm. about it. Right. And that was like what like made me realize like that's true. Like I don't need to make a fuss about my failures i just need to get it right one time that's what i did that one product worked and it showed me okay i get to my next product okay my next product etc so 200k how are you feeling oh man i that yeah i felt like a fucking beast i was like i know exactly like i felt like i locked the code to life yeah basically right and so at that point i was still debating whether i wanted to still keep my personal training job and do this on the side still or if i should just full-time quit right and then Eventually, I just made the decision, like, I'm going to quit my personal training job. Because I already made, like, literally, what did I make? I think I made, like, the same amount of money. Um, Like, I think I doubled my income. That was my first six-figure year. I remember that. It was my first six-figure year because I had my personal training job. And then I made that Amazon business. And I made, like, 80K just off of Amazon. So, yeah, that was my first six-figure year and i was like holy shit i have so much money right now this is crazy <laughs> and um as a 22 year old kid you're like i'm gonna buy this i'll oh, buy that granted i bought a tesla so yeah, i mean i did do that but a tesla is not very expensive though it was only like 40 grand so right. and i didn't pay cash i just financed it so it didn't really cost me that much out of pocket and it was more of a business move too because like it led me to other ventures and like showing my success mm -hmm. etc so it was it was all it was always kind of calculated from there. It was always kind of calculated. Um, and then, yeah. So I I bought a Tesla and then I got an apartment. Yeah. And then COVID happened. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but so did COVID help you though? It because did. more people are shopping online now. It did. It did. From there. So you're like, oh no. Like oh man, fuck. damn. Yeah. So uh yeah. So COVID hit. So I just moved to my apartment in February. COVID hit in March, mm. right? And first off, I was pissed because like I couldn't use any of the amenities for the entire year. So I'm like, mm. well, th that the apartment had to offer. Yeah, right. which I was one of the main factors why I got it. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of a waste. Um, and then I still did my, I was still doing my Amazon business. Um, and then I made during COVID, I actually made damn near six hundred thousand that year, which was fucking insane. Wow. So rode the wave of COVID. 
um it was a very i will say it was a very risky time because of how like volatile everything was you know right shipping was there's was a lot of shipping delays there was, was, was a lot of and then you had that the tanker thing that was stuck in the ocean right and prevented like shipping from coming yep. through so there was that big fiasco yep. that you had to deal with as well a lot of man inventory management that had to you had to go through that time so I had to pivot a lot on that, but it, it didn't stray me away from the business at all. I, instead, I doubled down on the business, and that's yeah. what allowed me to do, like, that year I did $200,000 in a month in just December alone. I was like, okay, I, I need to, this, like, validated more of my, my choices and, right. and leaving, you know, my personal training job and everything like that. So, um, yeah, that was a crazy, that was a crazy year. That was good. So, now we're going through, own apartment, you have Oogie. I did get Oogie during COVID. Yeah, he's a COVID is, dog. You're your chow. Your yeah, chow chow. He's my chow chow. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful little Thank bear you. of a dog. Thank you. And um, now life is kind of just kind of mainstreaming now, right? Like you have the um, the formula now to launch successful products mm -hmm. on Amazon. You know how to use Helium 10 better. You know how to find successful products. You know the market to get into. That's right. And so how many products do you have now? So now I have, I mean, technically I have like eight products right now. I've been selling, and the thing with Amazon is you don't need a lot of products either. You right. don't need a lot of products. You just need the right ones. You just need the right ones mm -hmm. and you just need those to do all pretty well. So uh, so I have eight products right now. Um, I'm still doing like half a million dollars a year. So I'm pretty happy with that. Um, and yeah, that's basically what I'm holding up. Um, I, am, I do have a business partner now. Uh, and so we're kind of like working on doing our own kind of side project together to see what we can do. And, and Amazon businesses are sellable as well. So you, like you can build them up and you can sell them to other companies that will buy it. And so that's kind of like what we're like thinking about doing, just like a okay. quick flip type of thing. And then you could always rebuild a new one. Yeah, exactly. You can just make as many as you want as long yeah. as you, you know, have you a remove yourself yeah, right. from one. Yeah. Because yeah. you only have one account at a time. Got it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Wow. Well, that's uh, pretty amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, that's, that is that. So your, your business is kind of handling itself at the moment. You're working how many hours a week right now? Yeah. So I was working the Amazon business alone was probably only like maybe like four hours a week. Yeah. Once you kind of had it. Yeah. Nowadays it's even less. I work maybe two hours a week on it. Yeah. Um, so I don't work at all on it. Um, but during that time, that's where I started getting a lot. So I started posting my results about it, right? More on YouTube, more on Instagram, stuff like that. A lot of people started asking me questions about it. A lot of people wanted me to mentor them. And that's where I started building the FBA Boss Academy, mm -hmm. which is kind of like an education agency type of thing. Um, and so I started working a lot on that. So a lot of my days were just content and like teaching people and helping people and, you know, things things of that nature because i still wanted to have some kind of purpose and i felt like it was very natural because i was a personal trainer for so long and so it was like a very natural thing to progress into teaching people things and, and uh providing some kind of positive impact into their life you know it, it always feels good right it always feels good to to give back and share your knowledge with other, with other people right yeah because like i said at the beginning of this podcast like your story is so relatable to a lot of people whenever you were younger mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't know which route to take. So you have yourself who is still a young, a young man, 26 years old. And now you're offering this help through the FBA boss Academy where people can reach out to you mm -hmm. that you have your coaching service as well that you offer. 
and you're only taking specific people, right? Because they have to fill out the application and they have to be oh, accepted yeah. into the academy because you don't want people just to come in and waste waste your time. Yeah, dude, we get probably get like 5,000 applicants per month and we wow. only take maybe 60 students a month. So for anybody listening, if you're interested in the FBA Boss Academy, <laughs> have your shit together and yeah. don't just lollygag with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're pretty sure. I, before, it used to be just open, like, hey, like, anyone can buy and everything. But especially when I brought my business partner in, who is an eight-figure seller, we need to value who you're working with a lot more. Right. Because now you have access to me and him. Mm. And we value our time very highly. So it's like, you need to be on a certain page to be able to be in our inner circle. Totally know? makes so sense. That's that's how that got in. So to kind of step away from that F Amazon FBA a little bit. Now you're traveling the world. <laughs> so I do want to kind of dabble into that. What are some places you travel to? What is your favorite place? Which place had the worst food? Oh, jeez. Uh. So um, recently, uh, I went to Europe for the first time. I took uh, me and my girlfriend, Michelle, out there. Um, and Which we, part? Uh, so we did kind of like a Euro tour. Mm -hmm. So we went to London as our home base, and then we went to france and italy and then greece mm. and then also a little bit of switzerland we were there for a bit too uh so we did a nice little euro tour there um that was most one of our recent ones been to mexico been to like new york chicago things like that been doing a lot of that this year this year i made it a goal that i, I wanted to travel more because i never got a chance to really do it before I, I didn't have the right people around me no one really wanted to do it um and so i was like this year like, I really want to make it a priority and, like, start traveling. And thankfully, you know, my, my current partner, Michelle, she's she's on page with all that, and, mm -hmm. you know. And so very grateful for that. And uh, we've been able to travel. And so we went to Europe. London is, like, the home base. London's really dope. It's like a, like a, it's like a New York, L.A., but, like, imagine New York and L.A., but you expanded the city and stretched it out so it's way more open, so it's not as crowded. Uh. Transportation is much better out there than other places, but I still don't prefer that over just driving your car. Mm -hmm. You know, I still would prefer driving my car to places, um, but the transportation is very easy. Public transportation is clean, a lot of good food, a lot of good people out there. Vibes are great. A lot of people doing random shit out there as well. So I liked London a lot. Um, we went to Paris. That was beautiful. Uh, I probably didn't pick the right the best time to go though because it was like july so midst of the heat it was fucking hot uh, yeah it's like california uh, yeah but out there the problem is with europe this is the one thing i don't like about europe 80 percent of places don't have ac oh it sucks it absolutely sucks yeah. so i was and me bro i need to sleep in like 66 degree rooms bro like i when i'm home me and michelle are in bed I crank that motherfucker down. Dude, like, it's raining right now here in California. I still have my AC <laughs> on in my house. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> like, I, I need to sleep in, like, a, a fucking cold yep. hibernated area. Yeah. So imagine we're in London. We're And here's the thing. We're in, like, a in like a uh, like a small penthouse type of style uh, high rise, right? And so we're closer to the sun. Oh, no. And it's hot as fuck. Like, oh, my God. I was sweating most nights. Like. It was horrible. That's and, horrendous. And they fucking, they, they bamboozled me, bro, because I picked that place specifically for AC, mm. but they didn't have any AC there. Mm. They bamboozled me. They had a fan, and they put it in front of an ice chest, and it's just, like, blowing. That's the crazy thing. They didn't even have a fan for me, oh, bro. Oh, no. I had, to, I had to fucking hit them. I'm like, yo. We're fighting. Where's it at? And then they eventually just 
bought me a new fan, but it's still like it's a fan. It's not gonna fucking blow you cold air. <laughs> so that sucked. Yeah, yeah. Sleeping in the warm is not comfortable. No, it's not the business. Yeah. And then so yeah, so that that's where we went. Thankfully when we were in Paris, it was an AC uh place, five star hotel, so fuck yeah, it better be. Yeah. It better be AC'd. And then we went to AC is literally one of the stars. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and then we went to Italy. I did not like Italy. Yeah. So me and Michelle did not like Italy mainly because of food and people. Views were absolutely amazing, like breathtaking. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about mountains with trees, beautiful water, yachts, boats, beautiful buildings of architecture. Absolutely incredible. But the food was just not there, bro. I'm talking about like pasta tomato sauce done yeah. that's it and i'm just like yo y'all gonna put anything else in this like that, that's the og though that, that's the thing that is the og that's, that's how it's always OG. been yeah. and then around here we like just put more into it yeah. so we're like onion garlic yeah this and that so it kind of like killed our expectations mm-hmm. you're like um, this is just tomato puree on my noodles literally <laughs> and we were very disappointed in that because yeah. we were expecting way more which i don't know whose fault that is I, okay actually it's not our fault it's not their fault definitely not. it's not <laughs> it's not their fault it's definitely not their fault it's definitely our expectations of it but that just it's not our preference yeah. you know um so we didn't like it because of that and the people were just not very friendly not very friendly not very welcoming i heard that yeah they're just like very standoffish especially me and michelle are people of color like they they just like kind of brush us off or whatever right uh, so that was that, and then we went to Greece right after Santorini. Oh my God, Santorini! One of my favorite places in the world now. Like Santorini is beautiful. It mm. looks exactly how Instagram photos take it. Okay. Like with the white buildings. Yeah. The white the uh, blue stone, ocean. Blue ocean. Like, beautiful mountainsides. Yeah, and like like uh, pool, like pool in your uh, in your crib type of thing, overlooking the, the 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 mountains and the ocean and the Mediterranean Sea. Beautiful, gorgeous. Food's really good. Everyone was so friendly out there and uh, had a great time. Uh, we went on like a yacht for a day and it was it had like great seafood and stuff like that. And it was probably one of my favorite places to ever been. So now you're living it up. You're you're you have your FBA Boss Academy and then you decide you want to give back to your mom. Yes. Let's, let's talk about that. What do you do for your mom? Yeah. So I completely retired my mom. Um, and she was kind of already retired because she she owned the meat market or whatever and then like she sold it off and she owns a little bit of like she still owns a property but so she just collects rent but the rent is not able to keep up enough with like living expenses and like inflation and whatnot it's Mm -hmm. not enough so she was starting to get really tired on bills and she would always complain i was just like you know what mom like don't worry about that let me just give you some extra few bands every single month so you don't have to worry about that the bills are paid just spend it on whatever you want and just live the life that you want to live right do whatever you want and so i did that for her and i also bought her a brand new 2023 porsche cayenne mm. um and it's, it's a beautiful spec white uh exterior than like this this like mocha brown interior that looks lovely so um i i let her completely spec it out like like from the website spec it out it took like five six months to deliver um and yeah so that's what i got for her and she she loves that car that's beautiful whenever i seen that you posted about that i was like man that is the coolest thing when i see people do stuff like that yeah you know and i think that's almost everybody's goal right retire your mom retire your dad you know whenever people want to reach um, a certain level of success at least we could do absolutely absolutely so oh man 
train of thought. So as we're going through, you you help your mom. Everything's beautiful. What? How does it feel? Because I know for a fact you have probably a high number of haters, mm. right? From people you probably knew previously, from people that you never met. Mm-hmm. For someone like you, um, people always handle this differently. Do you ignore it? Do you engage in it? It depends on the circumstances of where it's being handled mm-hmm. or like where it's being like where I'm getting the hate from. Yeah. Uh, if it's f- from social media, for the most part, I ignore it and sometimes I'll entertain it. But out of like just to make more content out of it, I do it <laughs> just to really just get more views, really. Yeah. And so kind of it's kind of helpful in a way. So I kind of use it not to hurt me, but more so or like to make me feel a certain way, but more so it's just get more traction. I you know, stir the bucket a little mm. bit more and, you know, you know, tr- you know, kind of trigger some more people and everything like that. Right. It's also an ego thing, to be honest. Like it's very, it's an ego thing for me to prove my point because yeah. I like being right. But at the same time, it's just, um, I try my best to just kind of just let it be. People are going to say stupid shit. They're, they're not paying my bills. So what do, do I need to care that much? Yeah. I, I think it's the best way to handle it. Right. Entertain a little bit. Especially if you know you can win e- easily. Yeah, a nice little f- <laughs> a light, a light flex, yeah. you know? It's just kind of like, yeah, let me just do that. So what are some, what was some advice you could give a young entrepreneur, anybody that feels like they might be stuck? What is something that helped you besides the Mark Cuban quote, which mm-hmm. which is phenomenal? What is some advice you might want to give to somebody who's a beginner? Um, you need to go out and like try things regardless of what your parents might think or what they might expect out of you um and if you're an adult as a as an adult you know it's more riskier if you have a family and everything but you still need to um you still need to do some type of manageable risk uh for the sake of your own you know where's yourself and your your family if you want to be able to give them more than you know where they're currently at or you believe they deserve more as well then you owe it to yourself to be able to find a way to take these risks responsibly as the man or, or woman whoever you are um and to do things do things go out there and just do things try things it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be in the same field as me but you have to uh see these ideas and and start trying these things you know grow some balls and just do it don't like make excuses about how scared you are or what you know whatever the case may be like you have to experience life. I think you have to go out there and try these things. It doesn't matter what it is though. You know, some people wait for doors to open, others kick them down. Exactly. And that's it. I believe that 100%. You got to go and find your opportunities because mm-hmm. they're not going to just land in front of you. You have to kind of fight for your own piece of the pie. Absolutely. Especially in this day and age. Yeah, 100%. There's, a, there's always a way. Well, here's the problem too is like there's so much opportunity but people are still like they still won't do it scared they're still scared yeah. and another thing is like i understand like there's so like, so much opportunity that you don't know which one you got to pick so that's why you have to kind of just i would recommend because there's so much type of different opportunities out there you have to kind of see what's available and kind of go towards what's the most interesting to you and then kind of fully commit it to that right and then you know evaluate all these other things but just stick to one get really good at that move on to the next get really good at that move on to the next there it is so where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on my Instagram, which is just Kevin Pacman, or my TikTok, which is also Kevin Pacman as well. Um, and yeah, you can basically find all of my uh, resources that I, I have available there. Yeah. And your um, Amazon FBA Academy. 
Boss Academy. Yes. Also, link in your bio. Yes, link in my bio for the FBA Boss Academy if you want to learn how to do Amazon FBA. And yeah. So, what's the future hold for you, Kev? The future for me. Ooh, good question. I'm, I'm the type of person who doesn't really think that far out. I like to really just focus on my now live and like in the moment. live in the moment, mm-hmm. but my next two steps. Yeah. Right. So, really, my next two steps are growing more of my current businesses, which is my 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 Amazon business, my education business, my Airbnb business. The whole purpose of that is just to gather as much cash as humanly possible that I can. I'm at a stage in my life where I'm young and I don't need to worry about really long-term investments. I need to make as much cash as possible right now and then use that towards other things that can be, you know, long-term investments or whatever, uh, or, or even just bigger plays, you know, commercial real estate, whatever, same, same thing as well. I'm just trying to build as much cash as possible and then, then I'll get married, have kids, et cetera, all that. There you show, go. You know? <laughs> so really quick, what are a few stocks you're in? Stocks? Yeah. I'm not in any stocks, bro. Uh, no, I'm no. Out, I'm out of the market, bro. Oh. I don't really, I don't honestly believe in, in stocks all that much. To okay. Be honest. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm in, I'm currently in the goal of building as much cash as possible and creating as much cash flow as possible. So um, when it comes to like stocks or traditional like ways of, of, of real estate where I'm like getting like a, a 7% return on my money. I'm not interested in that. I forgot who said it. Um, I think Lane Norton, really smart guy, right? Oh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, Lane I think he said something like, um, I don't invest in stuff. I don't fully understand mm-hmm. sometimes. And I, and I know for a lot of people that could be the issue as well. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't invest in things I fully don't understand as well, but I also, as if the numbers don't make sense either, I'm not going to do it. I don't care about 7% return. Mm-hmm. I care about like a hundred percent return on my money. That's what I want. That you, you have know? more control over as well. More control over. And that's why I like this so much. Cause I can just make money faster and in a much larger sense. And I have a lot more control over it. There you so go. that right now is the big goal. Um, if the other people trade and stuff or whatever, that's up to you. But for me, that's not what's worked for me. Kevin, thank you again for taking the time to sit down and have this conversation with me, man. It was something we've been uh, talking about for a few weeks, and I'm glad we finally made it happen. This was fun. Thank you so much for having me, brother. Absolutely. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you guys are watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you guys are listening on podcast platforms, especially iTunes, you guys can leave up to a five-star review, and we shall see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.